Calling all benders and non-benders alike. Jump into the epic world of Avatar with your favorite podcast, Avatar, Braving the Elements. Hosted by me, Janet Varney. And me, Dante Bosco. Each week we'll recap and discuss a new episode. So come join us and our amazing guests from creators to cast to superfans to chat about all things Avatarverse. It's Fire Nation time. Book of Fire. Let's go. Listen to Avatar Braving the Elements wherever you get your podcasts. The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Welcome to Star Guys, a podcast about Stargirl on DC Universe and the CW. I'm one of the Star Guys, Alexander Zalbin. <laughs> my name is Justin <laughs> Thomas Tyler. I am the second and always the second Star Guy. Wow, I'm Pete. Are you one of the Star Guys, Pete? What's Pete, going on? Are you here? one of the Star Guys, or what's the deal with you? Sure, man. Yeah, it sounds good. Are you a Star Boy? Are you a Star Guy? I'm Star Guy. Star Kid. Oh, Star Kid! Like you're, uh, what's his name? Uh, Darren Chris. You're Darren Chris. You're the Darren Chris of the podcast. You're the Star Kid. That's a know. You got that reference, Pete? Nope. Okay, I'll explain it to you when you're older. All right, we are going to be chatting about the pilot for Star Girl, the very first episode of Star Girl. Uh, now we checked back in with Stars and Stripe, the original series by Jeff Johns and Lee Motor that launched the whole thing way back in the day on DC Comics. So listen to our previous podcast about that. But as mentioned, this is going to be about the DC Universe episode. So this is the 50-ish minute version of the pilot. There is a shorter version of the pilot that's going to air on the CW. If you happen to be listening to this after the CW airing or later on and only watch that episode, that's about 10 minutes shorter. We're going to have a bonus podcast where we talk about the deleted scenes from the episode. But if you happen to be listening to this for whatever reason, look at it as like a a non-deleted Scenes. Yes. yes. This is that like the extended. It, right? That was such an easy way to say that. <laughs> <laughs> this podcast is non deleted so far. Great. There you uh, go. It's uh, like the director's cut. Us. I felt it. Director's cut. This is the director's cut of the podcast. Uh, so this is the pilot, was written by Jeff Johns. Who Heard of, of course him. wrote the comics, as we mentioned. It was also directed by Glenn Winter. The thing that I'll mention about Glenn Winter is he is a veteran director of DC TV shows. He directed the pilots for Supergirl, Legends of Tomorrow, Doom Patrol, worked on most of the Arrowverse shows. Woo-hoo. And even as far back as Smallville, he actually, I believe, worked on the first Justice Society of America episode of Smallville with Jeff Johns. So this is kind of like a returning home for them because this show is a little bit Stargirl, a little bit JSA, a little bit Starman, other things going on. Um, But before we get into it, what were your impressions of the pilot? I know we were looking forward to it. We were interested in what we were to take on it. Justin? Uh, I mean, I'm a big fan of the Starman comic that uh, that a lot of, that at least the, 
the cosmic staff comes out of, um, and a lot of the sort of references that we touch on in, in this first pilot. Um, cosmic and, rod, I believe it's the cosmic rod. I think cosmic it's called staff. I think it's called a staff in this show. It is called a rod mm-hmm. in um, in the comics, but rod comics. is a word we're all putting away. Yeah, <laughs> we're done with rods. You can call it Pete if you want to call it a cosmic Todd. You can do that. Yeah. Oh, thanks. Um, Anytime. You're you're a cosmic Todd. <laughs> That's fun. Um, I thought the episode as a whole was fun, especially the opening sequence. I thought was really what a great kickoff to this uh, mm-hmm. episode. Like, and the series as a whole felt like great superhero action. And then we we meet Courtney and sort of uh, we get to see her sort of become. I mean, the cosmic staff that we were just talking about is sort of a character on its own um, in this series, and we get to see her getting to know it. Yeah. yeah, Pete. What was your take on it? Well, first off, uh, love the casting. You know, you got Luke Wilson here, strong casting choice. You got Amy Smart. I mean, this is some great yeah. stuff. Luke Wilson uh, is Casey Wilson's dad, right? Yeah. Am I wrong about yeah, that? Dem- yeah, no, it's yeah. the volleyball's uh, dad, I believe. Ah, uh, yes. <laughs> yeah. Well, he, oh, okay. Because as we always talk about, Pete has his Wilson power rankings, yeah. um, <laughs> and it's Luke Wilson at the top. Wilson the volleyball uh, right after that. Then Close Wilson, second. Wilson Close. the na- the Wilson the neighbor from Home Improvement is in third place, I believe. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Wait, where's Owen Wilson? He's behind Pete. that. He's behind that. Oh, oof. rough, wow. rough week for uh, Owen Wilson here. Yeah. Oh man. Uh, but yeah, uh, I I really like the casting. Uh, I even really like the little Mike kid. He's hysterical. He's got a couple zingers in here. Um, what was I? Didn't have high expectations. Uh, also, Joel McHale kicking ass in this, uh, being a douche, being the perfect kind of dick, but also you kind of like him guy. Uh, but also, um, I think it was interesting to me that, like, I thought, like, oh, this is going to be all right, but it ex- exceeded my expectations, especially with the JSA stuff. Really great. I would love to see little cameos every once in a while. That'd be amazing. Um, but the one thing that I was a little disappointed with, uh, the main character was kind of mopey for a lot of the episode and Mm. it was kind of tough where it was like, all right, I can't stand a whole season of you being Mopesville. Well, she's just Uh, moved to a new town. That's a bummer. I understand that. I understand that. Pete, have you ever moved from a place where you live to another place because of a reason? Yeah. Like that situation. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe like have. that you were sitting in that place and recording a podcast with your friends, but dressed all in black with like a big bushy beard and just looking real. And sad honestly, and dark. maybe being like pretty mopey about it. Pretty <laughs> mopey about being in Philadelphia. Maybe. Pete. All right. Okay. Okay. Fine. Fine. Yeah. Uh, Two. You're the you're the Courtney Whitmore episode one of this podcast, Pete. I oh, think that's shit. what we're getting oh, at. That hurts. You're the star. Yeah. Uh, I, I like this quite a bit. Like, I understand what you're saying, Pete. And I think uh, I can say I've watched ahead a little bit, uh, but the, this is humble brag. The, you couldn't fucking fir- not mention the fact that you fucking get, I don't want to lie to people. And you get to go I'm ahead. Sorry? And- no, but I'm saying like the first two episodes are very much. It feels like, I, I think they're pilot and then part two or something like that. But it definitely feels like that's the Stargirl movie, and it's a lot about getting her out of that funk and getting her to be a superhero. But I, I get what you're saying. Like, I felt like I wanted Courtney from the comics is so cheery and chipper and excited right. all the time. I wanted a little more of that. But, you know, 
we're going to see that hero's journey. The other thing that I wanted to ask, though, before we get into the episode proper, Pete, is you are a fan of the Arrowverse shows on the CW. This is technically a DC Universe show. This takes place in a different universe. It's not connected to the Arrowverse shows or anything like that. Um, But how do you feel about this versus, say, like Arrow, The Flash, Batwoman, Supergirl, etc.? I'm excited about it. I think they did a great job of getting a great cast around this uh, new girl, and I'm excited for the show and what it can do, especially because they put this sweet-ass Cadillac right in the episode (laughs) and makes it a big part moving forward. So I'm excited to look at this sweet-ass Cadillac for all season. (laughs) Wow. So close to opening a used car dealership. Pete LePage. Yeah. I have noticed that in the advertising in the run-up for the show that it started out with Breck Bassinger, who plays Courtney Whitmore, right at the front. But they keep moving her, like, back and the car forward. And the last ad is, like, it didn't even say Scar Girl. It says, sweet ass car is coming. (laughs) Yeah. I think you may be both maybe watching a car commercial. Oh, right. right, I was watching a car commercial. Uh, All right, let's jump into the episode and start walking through it. Everything starts 10 years ago. Lights burst. It's Christmas. uh, And we immediately see Pat Dugan, who is Luke Wilson's character. He's driving crazy. Uh, I got to say, starting with, like, the Christmas thing, I don't know if you guys saw Shazam, but this reminded me a little bit of Shazam, which also Jeff Johns worked very heavily on. Um, And it's an interesting way to start it, like, in a time and place. Yes, Pete. I think it's smart because now it falls under the old diehard premise, like, is this a Christmas TV show? So, yes, now it is. So mm-hmm. now, you know, you have to watch this every year around Christmas time. Uh, that's exhausting to hear. And Chris, every show, everything has Christmas in it. Like, there's always a Christmas. There's no one, no show is not Christmas. No movie right. is Marvelous like- Marvelous Mrs. Maisel had a Christmas episode, I think. Like, there's no, the thing of, like, that diehard thing- no, every show, every movie, there are there's a Christmas somewhere in there. Yeah, but yeah. Die Hard is a Christmas movie. We all know that. Let's not get into this. So Pat is driving like crazy. He's going to, I believe it's Griffith Observatory in Los Angeles. Uh, Starman, who is Joel McHale, tells him not to come. And then we get what you mentioned earlier, Justin, this insane action sequence right up top where just Pat is ducking and diving as the Justice Society of America is dying around him. And what I loved about this sequence is if you know who these characters are, you're like, oh, shit, Wildcat just died. Dr. Midnight died. They did such a good job of making those characters like really have differences, really feel like the characters themselves, even though they're only on screen to be there for like 10 seconds and then die. But it was, like, cool because we were kind of, like, with Luke Perry in this moment where we were, like... uh, Not not Luke Perry. Luke Wilson. Oh, oh my God. Rest in peace. Sorry. Uh, But I feel like we were with him because he's, like, oh, shit, Wildcat. Just as we're, like, oh, shit, it's fucking Wildcat. So, like, that was cool to have somebody who uh, is still kind of, like, a fan in that moment so we could also kind of excited and surprised by what was happening along with the main character. It was weird how goofy Luke Wilson was when we first meet him. Like, to come into a very it's intense Luke Wilson. fight. What are you talking about? He, it was a little goofy. Like, he was... The, That's his character. That's the, who he is. 
Yeah, but you're going to get a little goof with them. Well, and I think that speaks to maybe the tone of the show across the board. We get this sequence where um, Starman is dying and uh, he's like really getting after Luke Wilson. He's like making fun of his sidekick in a way that feels like and I'm going to say this and I mean it as uh, it's not an insult. It reminded me of the movie Mystery Men. A very right. yeah. old uh, comic book, one of the first comic book movies that is sort of not really looked upon as a true comic book movie anymore. Well, there's, I mean, the, the moment that you're talking about is so Starman is there, he shows up, uh, he's clearly like the most powerful member of the Justice Society, is fighting back against the Injustice Society. Brainwave picks him up, they fight. Starman is impaled by an icicle from Icicle. And we get this amazing thing. Again, like, uh, the thing that I think works so well about the sequence is if you have no idea who these characters are, it's supposed to be a blur of action. It works that way. And it still works. But if you know that, like, oh, that's Icicle, and then when they very simply say Grundy, and a 12-foot-tall Solomon Grundy bursts through and starts chasing after them in a flying car, that's just a killer moment. It's great. Um, but ultimately, yeah, they crash and, uh, we get this very Joel McHale line where he's dying and he's like, the justice society must live on, uh, but not through you, but through someone, but not you. And that to me, I don't know, but that to me feels like a very Joel McHale improvised on set. He put a little Joel McHale on that line. You know what I mean? Yeah. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But I get what you're saying, Justin, like it feels it takes you out of the moment a little bit, even though it's funny. And I don't, um, I don't mind that as a tone. Like, I think that's a yeah. very cool thing to do, like to be able to inject humor in the, those moments. Like a lot of super shows don't do that specifically. Um, so I like that sort of fast and loose play. I did want to say one thing about sort of the comic book underpinnings of this, um, because it, there's a, there's the comic book Starman, which is very popular in the sort of late nineties, which I'm a big fan of. Um, and then this sort of exists a little bit to the side of that where, um, it, based on the comic Stars and Stripe, as we talked about, um, where uh, Luke Wilson's character is the sidekick named Stripesy, and uh, the Joel McHale character is the star-spangled kid who grows up. He never actually – his name's Sylvester Pemberton. Um, he became Skyman and only very briefly was the Starman. So I think they've taken it and sort of uh, moved through it a pretty quickly to make him Starman, so, and I think that's cool. Um, but the history behind it is actually even wilder and weirder. Yeah. Uh, so meanwhile, then we meet our other main character other than Pat Dugan, which is young Courtney Whitmore. Uh, she's far away. She's waiting for her dad, who is about two hours late. Her mom, who is played by Amy Smart, Barbara, leaves her work. She stays with the neighbors. And then we get to a cut to present day. So we get the emotional underpinning set up that Stripesy Pat Dugan is trying to live up to the legacy of the Justice Society and find the new people who are going to fill those boots. Uh, and Courtney is always waiting for her dad and trying to find that happiness at some point. And at this point, when we cut in on her 10 years later, she's pretty much let go of it. Now we get a fun little Easter egg as a moving van pulls up. It says action movers, the classic action comics font. Very cute. Uh, Also a slow, sad version of Mbop plays, which was comes on strong, really going for it with hard Mbop. Yeah. Yeah. Were you a big Hanson fan back in the day, Pete? No. (laughs) (laughs) But you are now. But you are now though, right, Pete? No. 
Those three brothers, they play their own instruments, they write their own songs. It's very impressive. They do it all. Yeah. Good for them. <laughs> Man. We should Real start Hanson it. slab here. If their name was Hanson uh, Wilson, you'd be into them. Yeah. So anyway, uh, Courtney's friend says goodbye to her. Uh, meanwhile, we get to see Pat's son, Mike, uh, who is a real Mike. Brat. Yeah. Real brat. Attitude. Come on, Mike. Luke Wilson is like, uh, you know, be positive about this move. And he says, I'm positive. Positive. This place will this blow place ass. Will blow ass. Come on. That's a great line. Real stand up comedy uh, situation for Mike this Mike is child. fun. Yeah, now, did is, you ever? There, did you guys ever move as a kid? As a kid like this, were you acting like Courtney or this uh, or Luke's, Luke's I, son? I moved when I was four. Was the only time up until like going to college, and then moves after that. Uh, and it was when my brother was going to be born, so I was very excited because all my relatives were there. And we got to the new house, and they ordered pizza, so it was awesome. I was super got into him. it. Bribed him. Yeah. What about you guys? Did you move, Justin? Traumatic move? Uh, we moved from Florida to upstate New York when I was a ke- when I was like five, and I don't really wow. remember it. So that's uh, a big move. Yeah, that was Pete, a beach what about baby. you? Nah, man. W- were you traumatized when you had to move from New York to Philadelphia about two months ago? <laughs> no, man. Not not yet. I'm working on it though. Um, All right. Were you positive uh, this place will blow ass? <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I, I had to move like a, uh, just, we moved like a little bit, but not like any huge move. It was still within the same kind of area. Oh, uh, okay. Like you moved from downstairs in the sub-basement to upstairs in the basement, right? Yeah. No, we, we moved to, into a neighboring neighborhood, so it wasn't like a huge move, but it was still a move. Yeah, but you gotcha. you were kept in the attic as a child because you were too uh, unruly, right? You're like a, <laughs> a beast boy. Uh, it was, yeah. They they built a special room for me where it was extra, uh, you know, like uh, fortified, so that way I could trash it and nothing, nothing would get hurt. Fortified with eight essential nutrients and vitamins? No, fortified is in the beams and stuff like that. So no, I when know I w- what you bet. Oh, okay. <laughs> he does have eight essential nutrients, though. Even yes, he does. All right, getting back to the show, though. Uh, so Courtney's mom is moving them to Blue Valley for a new job there. Um, they get there. Mike loves the house. The movers have a crate. It's very heavy. Pat is very nervous about it. First hint that's not everything is okay with Pat, even though we know what's going on with Pat. Uh, and they walk through town, and everybody says hi in the town. Everybody's like, hello, hello. Uh, I have never lived in a small town, and as a almost lifelong New Yorker or nearby, that was real weird to me. No, it's... Real creepy. Is it's, that accurate? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's hysterical. I love that moment. It's a real fun because you don't really like being a New Yorker is it's great, but you don't realize how different you are built. So like when you get into a smaller town or just somewhere down south, really, uh, and people start saying hello to you, it fucking weirds you out. It's like, why are you talking to me? That's 100% true. People love saying hi. Talk to strangers all the time. It's a whole... It's great. It's Mm. community. Open your heart, Alex. Open your heart. 
Uh, if somebody tried to say hi to me in a small town, I'd be like, fuck you. Get out of my yep. face. That's why they don't like I'm a like New Yorker. You. And so then we, uh, when they're kind of moved, you know, she's all a big gymnast, and she was told that they have gymnastics. Hold on, you are skipping by so many scenes at this point. Just hold well, on there, buddy. And I want to say real quick, like, I love how the small town is such a big part of this story. Like, it is, yeah. uh, a small town superhero is is a fun take, so true to the comic, which was all about that. And I really like that they're leaning into that here. I think it's it's a great starting point for this show. Well, it also feels very different from, again, I know it's not an Arrowverse show, but it feels different from Star City, Central City, uh, Gotham City, obviously, uh, yeah. all of these other places. And I think that's one of the things that's like actually very neat and special about the DC universe, that as great as it is that Marvel Universe is set in real, quote-unquote, real America with real cities, uh, the DC universe is filled with these places that are all a very specific thing. And Blue Valley is, like, the typical small-town America, and I think they really nailed that in the look of the town. Yeah. And they also nailed having a creepy janitor that they keep showing. Hold on, hold on. We're we're gonna get there, buddy. But yes, there is a there is a creepy janitor who keeps showing up everywhere. Uh, so freaking Pat, me out. Uh, we find out that we find out that Pat was in town looking for something. Dot dot dot. When he met Courtney's mom, uh, they shared banana splits at the diner. Very cute moment uh-huh. there. Exactly. And then uh, we get a scene of Pat looking in the basement in one of his crates, and he's got JSA classified files on the wizard brainwave icicle. He's got a map with very clear circles on it, and he has Starman's uniform. And Pat is not sneaky, is I think what this scene no. is establishing. Goofy, I think, is what we've yeah. uh, already uh, laid out. And I, I there's a, such a, it'd be easy to make him, like, good at being a hero now, but I like that they make him still bad. He's a sidekick through and through. Yeah, which is a fun dynamic. Like, you don't yeah. see that. Very often you get everybody is like, I'm going to be the greatest hero of the world that he's like, I'm a sidekick and I'm happy being a sidekick. Ooh, that's yeah, a good Wilson. That's a good Wilson. Thank you very much. It Thank makes you. me uh, think of uh, Sky High all the time with all this talk about sidekicks and heroes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Good movie. Sidekick. Very good movie. <laughs> uh, so uh, Courtney unpacks. She hates it there. She looks at the stars. They form a weird constellation. Was yeah. that some shape? I couldn't quite pick up on what the shape was. I didn't either, and I thought it was such a weird part. I was like, are we meant to, should I be drawing this? Or like, how's this work right now? Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, but I don't know. Yeah. Uh, so then uh, we get Courtney's first day at school, which is a pretty classic first day at school type oh, thing. Uh, she texts on the way to school. Pat is trying to bond with her about moving, and he's like, this is what happened when I moved to my place, and Courtney doesn't want to hear anything about it. Uh, He says very awkwardly, have a super great day. Courtney goes to school. It's packed. There's the weird janitor there. Um, And a a magician. A child magician. A child magician, yes. Uh, But I like this. Like, I'm always a sucker for the classic, like, walk through the school, see all the different groups type thing. Yeah. It really reminded me of my high school... Like I said, I grew up in the country, so this definitely resonated walking through the cafeteria being like, look at all these weirdos. Yeah. Too true. Uh, so as Pete mentioned earlier, uh, they got she wants to do gymnastics. They don't have gymnastics. They cut the program. They suggest cheerleading instead. She's like, oh, wah. 
Yeah. Uh, also, they say uh, cheerleading because boys like it. And uh, mm-hmm. what, what? who's writing these lines? Like, why would you say that out loud? But I think that was the point of the line is to make that person, <laughs> that character seem a little out of touch with reality. Yeah. Right. Because you're meant to be it on Courtney's side here. I hear you. But, you know. Don't you think things. they wrote, every, they agree with every line of dialogue? The writers, Jeff Johns no. was like, no, I agree I don't. with what Brainwave is saying later in this episode. Yeah, they bring in a special villain writer who is a villain to write the villain lines. <laughs> yeah. Because we only we know good people. <laughs> I have an idea for the character arc. Just want to kind of throw this out to the room. Just we can play around with it a little bit if you want. Anyway. So then we had the mean girl scene. <laughs> Hold on, you're skipping past stuff again. So uh, I know because you're not fucking handling things fast enough. So I'm. What is the, there's no rush. Where do you have to go? Stop, lay Why off. Are you always? Come on, Sl- man. Watch you slow you're down. You're literally, you're literally not going anywhere. You need <laughs> so, to have the more Blue Valley pace, where it's a little bit slower. It's mm-hmm. a little bit. It's like a little bit of maple syrup just running down on your pancakes. <laughs> oh, okay. Hey, I'm glad Pete. you said pancakes, Pete. Hi. Stop Hi. it. Stop it. Yeah, it's, it's creepy, right? It's fucked up. I don't like it at all. Yeah. Maybe nah, it was weird because so you anyway, were doing it because you're a New Yorker. Because if this is a real, a real Blue Valley person, you'd be like, hello. Yeah, and I mean, we're doing this over Skype so you guys can see that I'm holding my pizza like this, not like this, you know? Yeah. Oh, so, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know how it is. Pizza? What's <laughs> pizza? I eat corn with cheese on it. <laughs> <laughs> hey, shut we up! I love corn cheese. It's actually very nice. <laughs> is that a calzone anyway, uh, laid flat? Is that what pizza is? <laughs> <laughs> you hear it with a hammer a couple of times. I got a bunch of about back. Anyway, uh, Pat buys an auto parts shop, uh, <laughs> yes. and a guy named Crusher approaches him and basically yes. like hard sells him on joining a gym. Oh, uh, so the you know, gym that, guy. That was hysterical. That whole scene was so weird. The Rip City gym guy, dude. That yeah. was so funny. Crusher loves that a handshake. That was so clearly a, like, we're establishing this character for later scene, which yeah. was fine. Yeah, but fine. That's what it is. Uh, I also then, liked uh, how unfazed he was by this guy. You know, like, he's like, oh, yeah, you, we got to get you in the gym. And he's like, all right, okay. Yeah. Oh, that sounds great. Uh, so then we get the establishment of another <laughs> major location. Uh, I like that you American... just took an Owen Wilson impression and just turned it down a couple notches. <laughs> you just turned it down a couple Thanks. notches. It's, uh, I know it's not a great impression, but it is also physically impossible to not say things that sound like Luke Wilson and not sound like Luke Wilson, uh, which is also a little Jimmy Stewart, I guess. It's going to yeah, end up it being is. Jimmy Stewart. It's a little yeah. too much Jimmy in there. No, it's right. I think it's, sp- yeah. it's spot on. Thank you. Thank you so much. So uh, she walks into the American Dream, which is where her new job is. Uh, she is super surprised because she's got her own office in the place. Pretty awesome. And then popular, girls, popular girls approach Courtney and they want her to join the cheerleading squad, but not even want. They're basically like, you're joining the cheerleading squad. You're going to be a cheerleader. You're going to be a popular girl just like us. Uh, but then we That's get fine. the no classic scene. There. That's the best yeah, no way judgment. to do it. That's how you make friends. Yeah. Yeah. 
just walk up to them and force them to do it. Uh, except uh, then she gets to the lunchroom, immediately gets seated with the outcasts. Uh, Beth Singles table. Singles table. Uh, Beth and two others there. Uh, football players come over, call one of the girls a slut. And Courtney fights back, and immediately the principal takes Hell her yeah. to detention. Um, yes, Pete. Okay, we got to point out, though, that what sucks in the pushing match is the poor lunch lady who's just trying to walk by gets all the stuff spilled all over. And you just you hate to see that. You know what I mean? Like, really? sure, you know, let the kids get, you know, you know, hurt or whatever, but not the lunch lady. Really feeling for the working the working staff here. Yeah, cafeteria yeah. stuff. Thanks, Pete. Thanks for looking out for them. Uh, so, because she's in detention, she misses the butts. We see the weird janitor Which again. Which doesn't Pete. make any sense. It doesn't make any sense. You can't have, you can't hold people past school time to miss a bus. It's like illegal. Isn't that how detention works? That is what detention is. Well, you, you are can le- get detention. Detention means you, you're detained. Right, but you can't be held past a bell where you would miss your ride. That was just not. No, it's what detention it, no, was it's in, after school. Yeah, I got to be honest, I never got detention, but I always assumed it was like three o'clock school ends, then detention starts, not, hey, miss your last class for detention so we can get you out on time. I will Welcome say to that detention. It, we don't want to inconvenience you as much as possible. We In my school, we had ISSD, which was in-school suspension detention. Right. Uh, okay. All right. Maybe. Anyway, but she I, misses the bus regardless. And we do yeah. get another weird janitor sighting. Uh, she also wanders through town, sees in the diner. There's a little girl eating with her dad. Looks just like a little Courtney. She misses her dad. Where's her dad? Who's yes. her dad? Uh, Mike, on the other hand, had a great time at school. He's microwaving a bunch of marshmallows. Very oh, excited yeah. about that. This uh, kid's Court- trouble. He's a scamp. He is. He's a real Dennis the Menace type going yeah. out here. Uh, Courtney, meanwhile, goes to the basement, immediately <laughs> finds the picture yeah. of the JSA. It, it's a weird moment because she's like running away from Mike and the whole marshmallow catastrophe. But then she randomly picks like, oh, I'll just go into the creepy basement for some reason. Um, which to me just seemed weird because like I don't think she would do that. I don't think she would go into a creepy basement. There's nothing wrong with being in a basement. It's a fine yep. place to do anything, and it's a great place to get away. And they just moved in, so she might want to explore the house, you know? Right? Okay, sure. At, at nighttime, you're going to go into the creepy basement for the first time? Hell yeah, why no. Why not? Anyway, regardless, though, she uh, finds the picture of the JSA, uh, realizes that Pat is Stripesy, Starman's sidekick, and then she finds all of those other stuff, including the costume. But most importantly, the Cosmic Todd comes alive in the crate. <laughs> Courtney discovers it. It floats in midair. And as you mentioned earlier, Justin, uh, it has a life of its own. This is a big departure from canon for the comic books. How would you feel about this, Justin? Uh, I mean, it's interesting. I feel like the the staff has very strong R2-D2 vibes, like a little bit of uh, reverence. And across the board, it's sort of like the the staff seems to be sort of more aware of things than even the people around, uh, which is interesting. It's it's potentially a little tricky. I, it's all how they play it. Because I do like the idea that Courtney, especially at first, is trying to sort of keep up with the rod. She's just holding on for dear life. And I like that as sort of a training. Like the rod, the staff is going to make her into the hero. Uh, that's mm-hmm. cool. 
um, and that the staff seems to know that she is the right person for this is is nice. Um, but it I is a little like, hard to watch those scenes where it's just like, oh, that's a lady talking to her um, walking stick. Yeah, I, I, I hear what you're saying. Uh, to me, it kind of had this feel of like Doctor Strange's like cape, like how it had its own personality and would kind of like steer things the way the cape wanted to do things. And I agree with Justin. I think it's like an interesting way to go with like this thing of like, Hey, I'm going to help you become a better person. But also it's tough because it's weird. It's random. It seems random, like the way it like throws her through the air and stuff like that. So it's kind of like uh, it'll be interesting to see how it's unfolded. But as a way to kind of move things forward, I'm all right with it. Yeah, I think it struck me as like a very 80s movie type thing, the way that they were playing it out, like uh, maybe like a batteries not included or something like that. Yeah. Um, Ooh, nice. Where, yeah, it's it's not a robot, but it's like kind of her robot friend type thing going on. And um, it definitely threw me watching it just because that's yeah. not what I was expecting from it. Um, but I understand why they made the choice. And I think ultimately to the point you were making, Justin, it plays out well. Yeah, and what I what I liked about uh, um, Stargirl interacting with the cosmic rod is, or the staff, I should say, is that we got a shot of her crisp uh, Adidas sh- uh, shell toes she has on the red and white uh, <laughs> shell toes. Oh, those were clean. I'm excited. I I hope that's going to be a part of her uniform. Wow. Uh, so let, let's keep going here. <laughs> <laughs> The, uh, the staff does no pull her out. Yeah. Uh, thank you, Pete. Uh, she, the staff pulls her outside. She uses it for gymnastics, asks, are you alive? And it flies off with her. Uh, meanwhile, Pat discovers the empty crate, gives a little, oh, crap. Uh, the staff brings her to a drive-in. This is an interesting thing to me because staff has a life of its own. It seems like a very clear setup to be like, the staff is going to bring her to danger. That's how she'll figure out to be a hero. But this is not an immediate place of danger, right? Like, no, the in danger- fact, they create the danger. Right, exactly. Um, because what happens is she sees a bunch of dudes at the drive-in, the football players. They're torturing a bunch of people in their cars. Also, of note, uh, a little bit of an Easter egg here, but they're watching Goonies at the drive-in. Goonies, of oh, course, yeah. was directed by Richard Donner. Richard Donner was Jeff Johns' mentor, gave him his first job uh, in Hollywood, uh, and is the person who sent him on the path and encouraged him to create Stars and Stripe. Uh, so pretty clear influence cool. going on there. Uh, and uh, then Courtney, meanwhile, knocks out their tires with the cosmic staff, fights the guys, and the staff drags her around, and the staff ultimately blows up a car, yeah. and she runs away. Kind of an inauspicious start to her superhero career, I would say. Yeah, I mean, it seemed like the uh, cosmic staff just wanted to watch the Goonies for a little bit, which is understandable. Sure, great uh, movie. Great movie. Yeah, but uh, also there's a little bit of like, oh, we need to stop here because there's douchebags and maybe we should try to put a stop to them. Now, do you think the staff was just sensing what Courtney would have wanted to do? Or did the staff know that there was some sort of teen antics going on here? Yeah, I feel like the staff was like, hey, douchebag central coming up on over here. So we should probably stop and take them down a peg. Yeah, probably the staff was like, we got to kill some teenagers. (laughs) Yeah. The staff is hungry for teenage blood. That'd be a fun twist. That would be fun. That would be very dark. The end of the staff is like one big vampire tooth. 
Uh, Courtney, so Courtney brings the staff back, uh, confronts Pat. He explains it's called the cosmic staff. He puts it back in the crate. Um, and Courtney immediately finds out what happened. We get a little bit of recap with her. She finds out what happened with the JSA. Uh, she looks at the picture of Starman is like, whoa, it's Starman. Starman is my dad. That makes sense because Starman disappeared on the same night. My dad disappeared. What do you think? Do you buy this? Is Starman her dad? No. And I think this this season or the series will f- focus on who her dad is. I think her dad's going to end up being one of the villains. Oh, I I'll think maybe what. it's the creepy janitor. Oh, do you think the creepy or janitor the is Joel McHale? Staff. Maybe the creepy janitor is Joel McHale. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but I, I agree with you. I think also, Justin, that... Uh, she is so certain that Starman is her dad. There has to be a twist going on there. Like there's no yes. way around it. Uh, and if you want to ultimately prove that she's a hero, she'll find out in a Darth Vader moment that her dad is a villain and then be like, no, I'm going to be a hero anyway. And it'll be fun. It'll be a fun yes. thing. hundred percent we'll agree. See. I thought it was interesting the way that the cosmic staff goes dead when stripes, he touches it. Uh, in, mm-hmm. Right in this moment, I thought that was a fun little like this. This staff just doesn't like stripesy. Yeah. Uh, so uh, Pat doesn't think Starman is her dad. He she asks her mom about him. She says her dad only came by once a year until he died, uh, and they are very lucky to have Pat. Why don't you give Pat a chance? Um, meanwhile. We see the football player's dad, one of the football players who is beaten up. He quizzes him about the staff and then sends him to his room. And, of course, the dad, it turns out, is actually Brainwave. And he's right there in Blue Valley. Brainwave, keeping it real chill, getting immediately in his costume and fucking things up with his mind. Yes. Oh, yeah. Uh, But before that happens, we get a nice scene of Pat sitting on the porch. Uh, Courtney talks to him. She ribs him a little bit about being stripesy. Pat explains his origin, uh, says that Starman used to be the Star Spangled Kid. And in fact, he loved being a sidekick, Uh, which, again, I think is like a very like I like the scene quite a bit between them. It's sweet. It's very like I'm just happy being being me. (laughs) Yeah, it was kind of like. Somebody on the porch trying to convince somebody else on the porch that Sky High was a good movie. They're like, no, sidekicks are all right. It's fine to be a sidekick. <laughs> really pushing Sky High. Huh, is this a very specific experience that you recently had, Pete? No, I'm just saying it's, you know, Sky High yeah. was about sidekicks versus the hero. Yeah. I mean, we all like Sky High. Everybody likes Sky High. Yeah. Okay. Everyone has seen that movie. That movie was so big. It was an uh, epic movie. <laughs> <laughs> Who's your Who's your favorite character from Sky High, Justin? Oh, that would I guess be the side one of the sidekicks, or the, I guess the creepy janitor. I'm assuming. Wait, one seriously, there too. you've never seen Sky High? No, I've never seen Sky High. <laughs> Were you paid to say Sky High? Are you Kurt paid Russell's every time? It's not like it's a nobody's. It's a wow. don't say Kurt Russell's been in a lot of movies, and many of them are not considered good movies. Name one movie that he's in that's not a good that movie. Kurt Russell's been in? I don't know. Yeah. Well, a bunch of them. Name one. Many of the recent ones. <laughs> Overboard? Know. No. Overboard, Overboard was movie. great. Yeah. Was he in Overboard? Yes. He was in Overboard. Yes, Is that was. where he met? What's her name? Goldie Hawn? Goldie, yes. Uh-huh. Oh, okay. All right. There we go. Okay. Um, no, let, me Panna Panna let me throw out a... Let me throw out a... 
Uh, he's in Deepwater Horizon. Not not good. Um, he's in a movie <laughs> called The Christmas Chronicles, where he plays Santa Claus. That's got to be good. Yeah. Uh, I actually have heard that that is good, and he's definitely like a hot Santa Claus in that movie. Really? So, yeah, suck yeah. on that. Hey, here's a little bit of a spoiler for the Christmas Chronicles. Guess who surprise turns up as Mrs. Claus at the end of the movie? Goldie Hawn. Goldie Hawn, yeah. It wasn't yeah! <laughs> <laughs> Nailed great. it. Well, let me just say, uh, hot news, they're filming Christmas Chronicles 2. Are we breaking that on this podcast? That's breaking news. I I hope they're not filming it maybe right now, but... uh, (laughs) Uh, Great. I'm glad... You know, this is a weird thing to say in the middle of the podcast, but I'm glad we decided to make a podcast that is about Stargirl on DC Universe and CW and also Christmas Chronicles news. Uh, Yes. Well, that's the way we are. Real quick, Kurt Russell's first credit and we were just talking about this, is the Dennis the Menace TV series in 1962. Wow. Huh. That's before Walt Disney's severed head fell in love with him, right? Yes, I guess. (laughs) All right. Interesting. Uh, Well, anyway, back to Stargirl already in progress. Uh, So (laughs) after that scene on the porch, we get a quick shot of uh, somebody who has cold powers, who knows who it is? Question mark. Question mark. Standing at a grave. Uh, Brainwave calls him. Uh, the person at the grave says, don't do anything. Brainwave, of course, doesn't listen. He's fully in costume. Uh, at which point, uh, we get another fun scene with the staff. It crawls up to Courtney while she's sleeping, wakes her up. The mom hears she shoves the staff under her bed. Because if you got a glowing staff, where do you put it? Under the bed. Under your bed Nobody's yeah. going to see it. Great Nobody's hiding spot for see anything. The light. Yeah. No yeah. one has ever cracked that shit. Uh, mom comes in, uh, Courtney says, yeah, yeah, I'm going to try to bond more with Pat. Don't worry about it. See you later. Get out of here. At which point Courtney gets dragged out the window by the staff. Uh, brainwave looks around, uh, Courtney, uh, trying to find out what's been going on at the drive-in, try to figure out who Courtney is. Uh, and Courtney does a little more practicing with the staff. She rides the staff in air. At which point she gets hit with flying tiger, ti- not tigers, excuse me, fly, much cooler if it's flying. <laughs> That's a great idea. Yeah. Oh, For a second, I thought we were going to have a Tiger King crossover the way you were talking. Alex can't get it off his head. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Joe Exotic, huh? Love that guy. Oh, man. Yeah. What a good guy. I haven't great, seen yeah. Tiger King. Universally yet. loved as a human. Uh, Does he eventually that. become the Tiger King at the end? <laughs> You've never seen Tiger King? I've never seen Tiger King. Wow. Wow. Okay. You should you know see it. You should see it. I'm I'm good. I'll stick with Stargirl, but thank you. All right. Uh, so uh, she gets dragged around in the air. It's actually flying tires, I should mention. Uh, runs into the tire factory and Brainwave wants to know who she is. He figures out who she is, of course, because he drags her towards him with his brain. She fights him. Seems like she blows him up. Uh, runs out of the factory, at which point a giant robot lands in front of her. And it's Pat in the robot, and he says, Courtney, I told you not to touch the staff. And that's the end of the episode. Pete, you love this? You love this moment? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm so excited because it combines two of my favorite things. Luke Wilson and a sweet, sweet Cadillac. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Two of your favorite things. Wow. Great stuff. Uh, Um. 
I wanted to say a couple things. I love the, this is very specific, uh, but I love the sound design that they do with the staff in general. Like, uh, really helps to make, to bring the action uh, home, and especially in these scenes where it's just a human talking to a, an object. Um, mm-hmm. That adds a lot to it. Um, and I also like how open this show is going to be with all the secret identities and stuff. Again, taking that sort of small town philosophy and filtering it all the way through. When most superhero shows are like, I have to hide my identity. I don't know. They, mm-hmm. The villains can't find out. And this show is just like, oh, we're already ahead of all of that. I think it's cool. Yeah, it was really fun. Um, I don't. I don't think it's quite all ages necessarily. Like it's certainly skewing towards a younger audience than say an arrow or potentially even a Supergirl or flash or anything like that, which I think is great. It's not necessarily like tween age, but it's certainly a teen show. Um, and I think that's good. Like it's a good thing to have on DC universe, certainly. And it's definitely a yeah. good thing to have on the CW as well. And it feels like a really good fit for all those shows. So I'm excited before we wrap up here. Who was the star of the episode? Who was the star of this episode? Pete, you want to go first on this one? Yeah, I'm going to go first and I'll say Mike. Uh, Mike was the real star here. (laughs) He was dropping some sweet one-liners. And if he wasn't blowing up marshmallows in the microwave, she would have never found the cosmic staff. They wouldn't really be on this adventure so Um, early. It wouldn't even be a show. Yeah, it wouldn't be a show. So I feel like Mike right now is holding it down. Uh, but I would like to just say overall, uh, I was impressed with this first episode. Uh, I was fun. Uh, it was light. Uh, I laughed. I- I'm excited to see how this unfolds. Justin, what about you? Who was your star of the episode? I got to give it up for the uh, the staff, the cosmic staff. It was a fun surprise that uh, the staff itself would be a character. Um, and... It's interesting in a show, uh, in, a, in this world where you expect Pat Pat to be the mentor or at least the person who's going to show her through the ropes. And instead, it's just a, a staff. <laughs> and then Pat <laughs> somehow is ranks below Courtney and goes, staff, Courtney, Pat. <laughs> like, that's, that's fun. That's funny. I'm curious to see that power dynamic play out. Yeah, I I want to give it to Courtney or to Pat, but I feel like they're both or developing. Or the Cadillac. Or, or the Cadillac, sure. Okay. Uh, but Courtney or Pat, but I, I feel like, like we talked about earlier on, Courtney in particular is still developing her character. We haven't quite gotten to that Courtney we know from the comic books yet, though there's glimmers that it's going to be there. Uh, Pat is a lot of fun throughout, uh, but again, I think like we're just getting started with his character arc. We need to get to know him and see his new dynamic with Courtney a little better. I, I kind of give it to brainwave actually, just because that's a creepy villain that I don't know anything really about from the comic books, but the way the actor plays it and the physical menace that he brings, uh, certainly with the voice as well. I think it's a really good, surprising villain to start off the show. Uh, and, it sets the stakes very high to begin with, which I think is a great place to start with. Yes, Pete, you have a question. Yeah, uh, on Harley Quinn, the animated series right now, isn't Braveway, Brainwave one of the little guys, like that little short guy? No, that's Dr. Psycho, oh, who's a different it. DC Comics villain. Okay. He also has brain powers, but it's Still a brain. Powers. Still a brain. Most of, this is an interesting fact about comic books, but most of the heroes and villains both have brains. No. Oh, wow. No, it's true. Yeah. Very few of them do not have brains. And in fact, there's one DC villain that even is just literally a brain and it's called the brain. 
There you huh. go. Huh. You guys Imagine didn't know that. this because you're cool jocks who don't read comics. That's oh, well. right. I go to drive-ins <laughs> and I hassle people. Couple of things before we go. If you want to support this podcast, patreon.com slash comic book club. Also, we do a live to the internet show every Tuesday at 7 p.m. to both YouTube and Crowdcast. Come hang out and we will chat with you about Stargirl or comic books or whatever you want to talk about. It's all good. Happy to chat about whatever. Socially, you can check us out at Star Guys Pod on Twitter. Instagram and Facebook, iTunes, Android, Spotify, Stitcher, or the app of your choice to subscribe to the show. And please leave us a comment on iTunes in particular. Those help us out a bit. ComicBookClubLive.com for this podcast and more. And for the Star Guys, this is Alexander Zalbin <laughs> signing Just, off. Justin Tyler signing off. Pete? Bye.